Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? Or as I say in Australia, church. You guys doing good? So glad you're here. Beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, and we're just thrilled to have you here. Come on, on the count of three, can we just welcome all the campuses, all of them all over the place. One, two, three. Love you guys. Speaking of campuses, I wanted to just take a moment before we get into the Word today to uh, just give you a Hope Rising update. Everybody say Hope Rising. Everybody say the best is yet to come. If you're new around here, we are right in the middle of a three-year faith-raising campaign. You're in a building that was just doubled. You're in a building where we flew a balcony in. What's up, balcony people? How you guys doing up there? All right. We, uh, we doubled our children's ministry space. We doubled our office space. We doubled our parking lot. We did all kinds of upfits at all the campuses. And uh, today I come just bringing a, almost a mid-year update. We like to keep you updated and posted on how we are doing. We're about 16 and a half, 17 weeks in, into this, 17 months into this thing going on the uh, halfway point. And I want to show you a slide because you guys have done incredibly well. Very, very grateful for your generosity. Let me show you. So for a three-year campaign, we're not quite halfway there yet, we pledged $6,472,000. Okay? We're not quite at the halfway point, but look at, look at where we are financially. We're at $2.909 million, bumping up toward the three, toward the halfway mark. And it's just my way to encourage you and to say thank you. And if you study this kind of stuff, you know it's right about now, if you're not careful, where people will start saying, well, I don't know, three years. And uh, I just wanted to encourage you, let's keep on and let's finish strong. Amen? And I uh, wanted to kind of give you an update on uh, not the campuses, um, but we do have some great stuff that's happened here. Uh, I want to take it more international. And I want to let you know that I come today sharing fantastic news with you. We've been talking about this for about a year and a half. And we have just completed our first deep water well for a village. Watch this. Of 3,000 people in a village called Imutsu. And 3,000 people will get clean drinking water from this village. And another 5,000 people... We'll be able to bottle water from this well that we put in. If you do the math, that's about 8,000 people are going to get clean drinking water because of you. I'm so proud of you. We've done other water projects before. We've just never done one from start to finish that was ours. And we sent a video team over there. And they put together this video, and it's just going to let you see what we can do when we partner together. We can make this dark world a little brighter. Check it out.
When I come to water, I want to say it ten times, thank you. And God is going to replenish you in his own secret way. Amen. Now we are happy. The water will help us, as I said, we shall bottle it. We shall reduce distance. We shall drink clean water, all those things. So we want to have a very simple treatment here. This being a community project. So we want the system that is simple. You will get the results, but it's also easy to maintain. So water will come. Uh, we'll have something we call a, a aeration casket. Because we found some elements of iron and manganese, so we'll subject the water to air. It will, it will cascade over stairs, mixing with oxygen. Then we can remove iron. The very, very minimal presses. So after that, it will come with a pipe up to this place. So this place will be introducing aluminum sulfate, which will consolidate all the particles in the water and make them settle down. So after settling, water will jump over to a filtration unit. Filtration unit will have several layers of gravel. So water will filter through, so that uh, at the end of the day, the water we collect will be free of sediments and free of bacteria. Then after that, it will go to the pipe up to the storage tank you have seen down there. Then we'll put chlorine for disinfection. So water will be 100% in terms of safety. Thank you, New Hope. Thank you for your generosity, and thank you for being part of Hope Rising as we spread clean drinking water throughout Kenya and beyond. As we always say, the best is yet to come. so proud of you. Way to go, church. Stuff we used to dream about and cast vision about, here we are doing it. And if you're anything like me, you got up this morning and you brushed your teeth and you didn't even think about the water. At least I hope you brushed your teeth. <laughs> uh, thank you. And um, by the way, there, we, you know, we're doing a lot of missions trips these days, so there's always one on the calendar if you want to go. In July, we're going to go, be going to Thika Town, Kenya, which is near Nairobi. It's where our New Hope campus is, our Kenya campus. We're going to be uh, supporting them. Then we're going to be going to the Ark Orphanage. You guys know that we're, we're heavily involved in an orphanage over there called the Ark Orphanage. Again, some of the most beautiful children you would ever see. July, let us know if you want to go on a missions trip. We would love to have you go. And I already told you the choir's coming next week from that area. And I didn't mean to announce this earlier, but I neglected to. Um, they're going to bring probably 30 or 40 children. Um, and every year, some of you sponsor uh, children for the weekend. You let them come and live among you for the weekend. We do that. We love it. We keep like three or four kids in our house. We got five. So what? What's, what's four or five more? Um, <laughs> but uh, if you, I know we've already received the offering, but if you would be willing to be a host home, Next weekend, go ahead and take out another Connect card. Just mark your card, hand it to an usher on your way out. We need a few more host homes for those children. Uh, speaking of ushers, they are working so hard um, getting people into this packed worship center. Can we just honor and thank the ushers? They work so hard every, every week. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, uh, man, you are in for a treat today. We have a man of God who's going to be up in the house of God, who is going to preach the word of God. I've already listened to his message. I already took all kinds of notes, and I'm just telling you, you are blessed. I am talking about the one such Jeremiah Stingle. Uh, he and his wife, Bianca, they are here. They are at a church in and around the Atlanta area, check this out, called Church of the Chapel Hill. 
But it's not the Chapel Hill right across the way. It's a community called Chapel Hill. Um, They are a ministry team. They are a pair. They are a delightful couple. And uh, they both communicate. Uh, Pastor Jeremiah, as you will see, is a very dynamic speaker. Speaks to all different ages. Humorous, practical, really, really great guy. God has enabled him to speak to thousands of people. And we are blessed to have him today. In 2005, they founded the Chapel Hill Leadership College. Uh, to help young adults discover God's calling for their lives by serving others. Currently, he's serving as the director of multi-site at the Church of Chapel Hill, a diverse church on the west side of Atlanta. They have two children. They enjoy being outdoors, watching movies, eating new foods, all those kinds of things that most of us enjoy. I've told him you are one of the most friendliest uh, congregations on the planet. The first service proved that to be true. I'm trusting you will. Um, Always welcome our guest as you do with such um, honor. And by the way, that's biblical. Do you know that 1 Timothy 5 says that we should show honor to one another? Agreed? And we are a church that truly honors people. But do you know that very same chapter says that you should show double honor? Double honor to the man or woman who steps forth to bring the Word of God. So um, we're going to show you a video. Grab your teaching notes. He might walk you through your binder and your book. Grab your teaching notes. First of all, hold this book up. Let me see it. Come on. We have them in the Resource Center if you haven't. If you haven't gotten one yet. And we also have the binders. We got more binders. That hold it up. I believe in the Word of God. I serve the God of Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. I believe what this book says about me. I believe what it says about God. Speak to me today. Speak to me, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Check this out and then honor him when he comes on the stage. There once was a man named Abram, who was a descendant of Noah. God told him to move with his wife Sarai, an entire family away from where they lived. God made a promise, I will make you into a great nation and bless you, and all of the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram and his family left. At one point, they stopped and God told him to look around. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your children. Then, one night, God took Abram outside. Look up and count the stars. This is the number of children you will have. But Abram was already 75 years old, and Sarai was way too old to have children. So they decided that Sarai's servant Hagar should have Abram's child. Hagar became pregnant and gave birth to a son named Ishmael. Yet, God told Abram again, you will be the father of many nations. God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah and promised that it would be through Sarah that God's blessing would come. Exactly as God promised, Sarah became pregnant, giving birth to a son named Isaac. When Isaac was still a young boy, God told Abraham to take his son up on a mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham took Isaac, laid him on an altar, and took out his knife to kill him. But an angel stopped Abraham, and God provided a ram to sacrifice in place of Isaac. Years later, Abraham and Sarah died and left everything they owned to Isaac. Isaac married and had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was Isaac's favorite, and as the oldest, he was set to gain his father's inheritance. But Jacob wanted the inheritance, so he came up with a scheme to trick his father, who was now old and blind, into promising it to him. He dressed in Esau's clothes and put animal skin on his hands because Esau's hands were very hairy. Confused, Isaac gave his blessing to Jacob and promised him the inheritance instead of Esau. 
This caused a huge fight, one that almost ended in murder before they went their own ways. Thankfully, they reunited and God promised to bless Jacob's family. Jacob had 12 sons of his own. And like his father and grandfather before him, Jacob had a favorite son. Little did Jacob know that his favoritism would put his son, Joseph, in danger of being killed by his own brothers. Hello, New Hope Church. Man, come on, somebody. Give it up for Jesus in this place right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. We love you. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys are so kind. All the campuses, welcome. Great to have all of you here today. And thank you so much for having my wife and I. My wife, Bianca, is sitting right over here. And she is wonderful. My best friend. We do ministry together. We've always done ministry together. We actually met in ministry school. And uh, she is gifted and a gift from God to me. Uh, man, really Salvation is number one, and my wife is number two of just the, the, the best things that God has ever done in my life. And so just so, so grateful to be here. We have two beautiful kids, and uh, we, we love them. We love serving the church. We've been at the same church for uh, 12 years, going on 13 years. It actually started about six months before New Hope started. And uh, God's doing some great things there. And we're, we're, we're blessed to be a part of a wonderful team there. And so we bring you greetings from the church at Chapel Hill. Uh, the funniest story for people up here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, how, how, how it, it's just so confusing to people because we are the smallest. It's Chapel Hill Road, and there's a golf course, Chapel Hills Golf Course, Chapel Hill High School, and then, and then that's it. You know, it is definitely not as big as what you guys got going on here. I love this church. I love your pastor. Do you love Pastor Benji and Pastor Amy Lynn? I mean, man, they are amazing. I've been uh, tuning in, getting prepared to come and speak to you guys. been tuning in online, watching the story beginning, uh, listening to some of the messages. Your pastor is one of the best Bible teachers. He really brings the scriptures to life. How many of you enjoyed learning a little bit? If you missed last week, I need you to go online. Make sure you watch it. But last week, he, he gave us a little insight into, you know, Adam and Eve. And then he talked about Adam Levine and Carrie Underwood. I thought that was uh, rather intriguing to learn uh, about your pastor. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go and watch it because you will die laughing as I did. Uh, but also, the end of that message, did your mind just get blown when he began to describe how God killed the first animal in the Bible to clothe Adam and Eve after they had sinned because there always has to be a payment for sin. Death has to be paid for sin. And there was an animal that was a substitute or a sacrifice for them. I mean, I was just like, oh, fell in love with God all over again. I know and I trust that you have as well. We're picking up the story. If you have your storybook Bibles here, we're, we're picking up the story in chapter two. And so if you have your teaching handout, I hope that you do, and your binders, I want to do this with you because I've been watching him do it. Go ahead and if you have your binder, go ahead and open it up and get ready. Are y'all ready? Let's do this on the count of three. One, two, all right, put your teaching notes in there, and man, what a powerful, powerful study that we're doing. If you're not familiar with it, we're going through the entire Bible over about a 30-week period of time, and after the end of 30 weeks, you're going to have this binder that's been personalized by you that you're going to be able to keep forever, and it's your journey through the Bible. And man, I'm just telling you, jump in, get involved with this, interact with this series. It is going to be life changing. I know that it will. I know God's going to do something very special in our time here together. Can we pray over our time in God's word? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we worship you. You are the one true God. and You sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sin. God, we're so grateful that you've brought us into your family. And God, we give you our hearts and lives right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Speak to us, Lord. 
Amen. 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 In your storybook, uh, chapter uh, 1 ends on page 12, and it says this. It's on the screens. Abram, whose name God later changed to Abraham, had all the wrong qualifications for being the founder of God's nation. His relatives worshipped other gods in a country far from what would become the promised land. Abraham and his wife Sarai, whose name God later changed to Sarah, were way beyond childbearing years. And Sarah couldn't get pregnant. No children meant no people to populate God's nation. No problem. God promised the impossible to Abram. And Abram watched the impossible, as the impossible occurred. And here's how it happened. And it picks up in Genesis chapter 12, which is going to be our main text today. As we get started, let me tell you a little bit about my journey and how God has changed my story uh, and how he brought me really out of a very dark place. Uh, I was raised in a Christian family. My name is Jeremiah, middle name Joel, two Old Testament prophet books of the Bible. My mom and dad obviously knew that I was going to be a preacher. I didn't know that though and as a teenager got involved in drugs very badly uh, I had a scholarship to the University of Georgia go dogs and uh, was there for a very brief time and got kicked out and arrested drug charges and I, I went into enrolled myself in a drug rehab program faith-based program called teen challenge God transformed my life while we, while I was there I mean absolutely transform me into a brand new person. While I was there, I had some interesting experiences, as you can imagine. There was a center of about 200 men, uh, all coming off of substance abuse in some form and fashion. And to support the center that we were at, we worked during the day at a auto detailing place that was kind of uh, funneling cars into an auction, an auto auction, a very large operation, uh, one of the largest auto auctions in the southeast of the United States. And so we cleaned all of the cars that would go there. And we would be provided with some snacks. You know, people wanted to help out the poor drug addicts that were coming off of drugs, and they wanted to give them some food, some sustenance. And what they would do is they would take all the expired things and give them to the drug addicts, right? Because, you know, they'll eat anything, and so this one bakery that was nearby, they would take all of the pastries left over from the day, all the donuts, the bear claws, the danishes, all those things, and we would put them in a trash bag. Why would you put food that a human is going to consume in a trash bag? I don't know. When you find yourself eating out of a receptacle that was designed for refuse, you really question your life and where you're at. And so during the day when it was snack time, we would all kind of break from our jobs. We'd go out to the place where they'd have all the donated items. And I remember there was a spatula because you don't want to put your hands on someone else's food, right? Even if it's coming out of a trash bag. And you would just kind of, you know, you would, you would kind of try to break it off. Because I guess when they put it in the trash bag and they put it in a box, they would just jump on it a little bit. And it would compact into like this big square. And you really didn't know what you were eating. You just kind of broke something off of the block. And once in a while, you'd kind of know what you were eating. You were like, oh, I got a donut. You know, I got a sugar twist. You know, it was just kind of one of those things that like I, I know what it is. And I'm happy that I know what I'm eating, you know. And there would be times where local uh, grocery stores and things like that would donate some of the expired items. I remember one time there was a chocolate frosted cookies that came in. Man, I was so thrilled. They were so good. I mean, they had this nice icing, frosting thing on them. It was just so good. I was just eating the whole thing. I mean, it was like a family-sized pack, and I was eating it all myself. I, mean, I was just going to town at it. I was just eating and eating and eating. And I started, you know, uh, I was eating, and my friend was sitting there, and he, I was like, man, these chocolate frosted cookies, you know, cookies falling off like Cookie Monster style, like just, these are so good. And my friend said, man, I don't think, I don't think those cookies have frosting on them. <laughs> and I looked at the cookie that I was about to put in my mouth, while my mouth is full of cookies, and I noticed that there were cobwebs all over the entire cookie. I don't know how this even happens, but all of the cookies were covered in just a layer of like cobwebs that looked like there was frosting, almost like the spider had cocooned the entire cookie. It was absolutely the grossest thing I'd ever seen. And the cookie I'm about to put in my mouth has a worm right on the top, more worm maggot thing, and he's kind of just waving at me like, <laughs> Hey, man, how you doing, you know? 
And I had already eaten most of the package, thought it was extra protein for preparation for my next survival experience. And I just, you know, try to get it out. I tell you that story because as I teach the word of God to people and I travel around, I speak to youth, college students, even adults. What I find is that people take in the ideas of the world without really looking to see what's contained in it. They don't rarely ever stop and think about what that idea from that television, that news report, that friend that's sharing a story with them. They rarely take it and examine it and look at it, see what it contains, and see if it's something that lines up with God's truth. And I believe that that's what we're called to do as believers in Jesus is that we're supposed to understand what God wants and expects from us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says it like this. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that your mind gets renewed as you stop and you examine those ideas before you consume them, you look at them because you see transformation take place. That word in the Greek right there in Romans chapter 12, verse two, transformation is where we get our word metamorphosis from. It's when something changes from one state to another. It's a caterpillar, no, it's a butterfly. There's a transformation, God changes changes us as we get into his word. If you're taking notes, you got your note paper, write this down. The story, listen, the story, God's story will change your story. The story will change your story. If you let God get into your heart, and I'm praying that you will today, God will change your life. Abram, Abraham, we're getting into the story today. I want you to see how God has woven a beautiful picture in this story for us. Abraham is mentioned over 75 times in the New Testament. He is so integral to the story that God writes. God, when he introduces himself, he says, hey, I'm Abraham's God. I am Abraham's God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw that Abraham was very special. And we pick up his story in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It's on page 13 in your copy of the story. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And here it is. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That is a prophecy about Jesus Christ that's going to come through the lineage of Abraham. Can you imagine this? God looking out through the whole earth and he just finds this guy Abraham that's it that's exactly what happens if you're looking at the narrative of the Bible Genesis chapter 11 nothing about Abraham and then all of a sudden it's the Lord said to Abram go just leave everything leave where you are and go to the place where I am going to show you see the conversion of Abraham in the Bible is one of the most remarkable remarkable because Abram wasn't doing anything to deserve God's favor he wasn't doing anything that would uh, precipitate God wanting to come near to him he wasn't seeking after God he wasn't looking for God you might find yourself here today just kind of like I just came I just came with a friend. I came to church. Somebody gave me a copy of this book, said we're doing this teaching, and says I should come and check it out. You might be just kind of doing your own thing. But listen, God comes into our story. God just initiates his love toward us in such a significant way, just like he does with Abraham. And what I love about this is that your past doesn't limit what God will do in your future. Oh, that's been true for me, and I'm sure it's been true for many of you in this room, that your past doesn't limit what God will do in your future. What's so significant about this story in, in Abraham's life, or Abram at this point in the story, is that he came from a place that was pretty bad. He came from a place that was really bad, in fact. 
And so I've kind of subtitled this message today, What Not to Wear. And I'm going to give you four things that you don't need to wear as a believer in Jesus Christ. The first thing that we should not wear is don't wear shame. Don't wear shame. You know, shame comes from your past. It comes from where you've been. Look at where Abraham had come from. Joshua is talking later in the scriptures about the history of the people of Israel. And he mentions Abraham in Genesis, Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. It says this, Joshua said, Long ago our forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river. On the other side of the river, the river being the Jordan River, and they were crossing over into the promised land. And he had said, Abram, he came from the other side of the river, and look what happened there. They worshipped other gods. They were worshipping idols. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 7 gives us a little bit more of a framework. God says to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. This, this city Ur, if you look at the... Uh, the storyline of the Bible and the history of the day, the people of that area, it was a Sumerian city, and they worshipped the god Sin. I'm not making this up. They worshipped a god there in Ur called Sin. So Abraham comes from a place that is shameful when he comes to the one true God. It's a place of his past being one thing. And you know sometimes that our past can limit us from what God wants to do only because we believe in who we used to be. Well, that's where I came from. That's what my past is. Listen, don't wear shame from your past. Abraham's story gives us hope. Because listen, God never calls someone from nowhere Listen, Abraham wasn't on the radar before. God rarely calls anyone or never calls anyone from nowhere without leading them somewhere. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for our lives. He wants to take us somewhere. He wants to move us into the things that he has prepared for us. And you have to believe when God speaks to you, you have to walk in faith. That God works in our lives in such mysterious ways. I mean, God just shows up in Abraham's life. Just shows up. Unannounced, very mysteriously. You know, the Bible and the King James Version, it calls God the Holy Spirit. calls him the Holy Ghost. I think that's appropriate for this. Because a ghost is, is mysterious. Something you can't understand. You don't know really where it originates. God the Holy Ghost just shows up to Abraham and begins to speak to him. We see a little bit more context about his story in Gen uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It's on page 14 in your story. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went even though he did not know where he is going. I mean, faith is trusting God even when life doesn't make sense. Listen, when life is out of control, when things are happening, you don't know what's going on, that's when you have faith and believe that God is working. Here's what I would love to tell you. I'd love to tell you when you give your life to Jesus, and you begin to follow him, man, everything in your life just gets better. Everything gets better. Everything gets fixed. All the problems you had, they go away. I'd love to stand here and tell you, man, the debt, man, I don't have any debt in my life. No debt at all. Bills? What bills? I don't have bills. I don't have to pay for any bills. I mean, every, I'm following Jesus. I'd love to tell you my marriage I mean, no problems. We never argue. Everything is great all the time. My kids, dude, my kids are so great. They potty trained themselves. I mean, they were infants, and they just crawled up on the potty all by themselves, and bam, it is done. Never had to change a diaper ever. They didn't wear diapers. Oh, man, my job, my boss loves me. He only comes into my office just to tell me how great I'm doing and to give me a raise every day, you know? I mean, my life is good. But you know, 
Just even from the way you're laughing, life's not like that. Man, you start following God, you obey and follow him, even though you don't know where this is going and things don't seem to be making sense right now. I don't understand what God is doing, but God does it. And that brings us to the second thing that you don't want to wear, according to Abraham's story, is you don't wear doubt. Don't wear doubt. Man, doubt just grabs a hold of you, and it just wants you to walk further away from God and what he's calling you to. But we don't need to wear doubt. We need to put on faith and believe that God is going to make a way even when things don't make sense. I love this because this passage teaches us about having faith. This guy named Abraham and his wife Sarah Man, they didn't, they were like not even on the radar of people we would choose to start a nation with. You understand, in the framework of the Bible, God is starting a nation on the planet. It's going to be God's people, and he is going to make his dwelling among these people. If you're going to choose the people, you choose young People that have a lot of kids, they can't keep their hands off each other. And man, they got babies popping out left and right. God chooses a 75-year-old couple that can't have kids. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. God chooses the least likely people to accomplish his purposes. God uses people that nobody else would imagine that I would do to do that. That's who God uses. He uses an elderly, infertile couple to start a nation. Listen, when you're studying the Bible, you don't come to the Bible like you come with any other book. A Bible is not, it's not a book just about learning. It's a book about living. It's not a book about information as much as it is a book about application. I picked up this book the other day from a used bookstore. Some of you might remember when these commercials came on the Time Life series. I remember as a child seeing some of these commercials come on the television. This is a home improvement book about decks and porches and patios. I went up to the counter the other day. You got to understand something about me. I'm not a very handy person. I just know that my deck on the house that I have has not been maintained in a long time. And the sun is scorching it. And something needs to happen. There's boards popping up. Nails popping out. The color is not happening right. It's kind of sagging in the middle. There's something wrong. I know that much. I know I got to do something about it. We just moved into the house a little less than a year ago. And it's just what it is. And so we got to figure it out. And so I went and bought a book. I went up to the, I went up to the counter to get to, just because I wanted to like just see what I might need to do, see if there's something I could do myself. And the lady goes, oh, you're going to build a deck. And I was like, no, no, no. You wouldn't want to get on any deck I'm going to build, okay? No, no, I'm just kind of checking out. I tried to explain the whole story to her. She didn't listen to me. She said, oh, well, make sure you take pictures and come back and show them to me after you get done. Take some pictures. You know why? Because I bought a home improvement book. Guess what you do with home improvement book? You do something. You don't take a home improvement book and just read it. You know how silly it would be for me just to be reading it? My wife come in and be like, hey, what you doing? Oh, I'm just reading a home improvement book. Well, when are you going to get out and do something? You know what? You don't just do that. Listen, the Bible is an application book. You don't just read it for information. You don't come and hear just a great teaching. You don't just walk out of this place and your life be the same. Listen, it's a book of transformation and change. God wants to work and transform you. And so if you're wearing doubt today, put on faith and let God begin to move your life forward. The third thing that you don't want to wear is you don't want to wear fear. Don't wear fear. You know, life can get really scary sometimes. It's a lot of scary stuff that produces fear. Abraham was going through this. Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It's on page 15 in your story. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him. Listen to what God says. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And verse 6, very significant verse in the Bible. It says, and Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is why Abraham is the father of all who would believe. This verse right here, that we believe in Jesus Christ and it is credited to us as righteousness. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved, all of you. Listen, this is where we get the doctrine of faith from in the scripture is this root that's here in the very, very first book of the Bible in this man named Abram. He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Oh, there's power in your faith. Don't get discouraged today and feel like your faith doesn't matter. It does. When you put your faith in God, oh, God does things that you would never even imagine. But, you know, there's something that we can apply here. There's something we can learn here from this passage. You notice what happened? Abram had a problem. He left his father's household, his father's country, and he went to the land. And his Facebook status updates showed no children. And people were like, where's the baby pictures? Where's this great nation that God said that he was going to give you? Abram's doubting, man. He's having a hard time. And what does he do? What does he do with this problem? I think it's a great blueprint for us. What do you do when you have a problem? He takes it to God. He brings it to the Lord. He says, God, I'm not going to have any children. This guy in my household, this servant, he's going to be the guy who inherits everything from me because you haven't delivered on the promise that you've given me. He takes it directly to the one who can do something about it. You know how silly it would be if you had a toothache for you to come up to somebody who sells windows and say, hey, man, my tooth really is hurting. Be like, I don't have any skills. You go to the dentist. You go to the person who can do something about it. Yet when we have problems, guess what we do? We go to people who can't do anything about it. And we leave out God. We leave God out of the equation. And we don't bring our problems to him. Not Abram. Not what we should do. We bring our problems directly to God. We don't walk in fear, but we take them to God. And look at what God does with Abram. God says, hey, I want you to go outside. I want you to get a revelation of how big I am. You know what? Our problems become enlarged. They seem to us larger than they are because we don't pray first, because we don't take it to God first. Man, when you take your problem to God first, everything else seems Seems a little bit more manageable. Our problems come into clear focus when we come and bring our problems to God. What did, Abram, what did God do with Abram? He took him outside and he said, hey, I want you to go and count the stars. Count them if you can. It's facetious. He's not going to be able to count it. He's like, okay, stop. Okay, I'm, I'm joking with you. You don't have to count the stars because he was obedient to God. So he was counting it one, two, three. God said, I was just trying to make a point here, Okay. He gave him a revelation. See, that's what happens when we get into God's story, when we get into God's word, we get a revelation of who God is for us, and it changes the way that we operate. It changes how we view things. It changes the way that we live our lives. Psalm 34, verse 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. When you begin to exalt God and lift God up, God begins to do something very significant in our lives and our problems listen our problems diminish our problems get smaller they don't disappear they just look smaller in our lives when we get a revelation of God's magnitude our problems look different 
we got to get, we got to get this. We got to understand this. See, sometimes when we walk in faith and we start in this faith road, we want God to give us kind of like all of the fine print up front. Right? We want to say, okay, well, God, I'm going to go your way, but I need to know what you're asking me in its totality. Abraham, he obeyed and went even though he didn't even know where he was going. And we want all the terms and conditions. You ever updated your phone? I'm an Apple product user, and they always send these updates to your phone, and you just got to scroll through all these terms and conditions before you can get the update. How many of you just scroll right through them and just click update? Hey, just give it to me. I, don't, I mean, whatever. I might be signing my soul over to you, but, you know, I'm just... Just going to go with it. You know, you know who are the first people who, who didn't read the Apple terms and conditions were, right? Adam and Eve, right? If they had read the terms and conditions here, we wouldn't be in the heap of trouble that we're in today, right? I mean, my goodness, if you just would have read, understood what the problems were. See, weak faith in God is stronger than strong faith in anything else. Weak faith in God, putting your faith in God, taking steps forward with God is so powerful in what it does to our lives. And see, God takes us on a journey of faith. Our life is a journey. And in Abram's life, he, his name is Abraham now. He's had a son. It's been a boy at a party. And it was great. His young son is growing up and maturing and Abram's pouring into his life. Abraham, at this point, pouring into his life. His name is Isaac. And it, because our lives are a journey, in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, it says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Here comes this test. Some of you might be facing a test today. And you're like, what is going on? I don't understand what's happening. Oh, keep moving forward. Keep trusting in God. God will show up and he'll be there for you. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. Here's the core of the test. It says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. The son of promise God, the son that I had all of these years of anguish over, you're going you're to take him away now? You're going to take away the dream that I've had in my heart? The Bible says something really significant there in that verse, in verse 2. It says, take your son, your only son, your only son. There's somewhere else I've heard that phrase. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's this picture in Genesis 22 I want you to see here today where God is using the life of Abraham to paint a much larger story. You know, there's sometimes you're going through a test and God is doing something far larger than what you can see in your life right now. God is up to something big. And he begins to parallel this story. Abraham had a son that he loved. God has his one and only son. Isaac was to be sacrificed on the mountain and God led his son up a hill called Golgotha. If you're doing any research in your Bibles, this is the exact same mountain as the mountain of Moriah in Genesis chapter 22. The very location where Jesus Christ was sacrificed as a payment for our sins is the place where God led Isaac up with Abraham to be sacrificed. The third day in the story is the day when Abram was called to go up there and it's the third day that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Oh, it gets better than this. Genesis 22, 6 says Abram took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Oh, we know that the cross of wood was laid on Jesus' back and he carried it himself up to the top of the hill called Golgotha or Calvary's Hill for our payment, for our sins. Oh, you see the parallel that's happening here? Do you see how God is working in this story? And do you see how God himself, he carried the fire, and he carried the knife, 
He carried the instruments that were used in the execution of his son. Oh, we like to believe that it was these evil people who were scheming to kill Jesus. Oh, but when we read in the Bible, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, it says that the lamb was slain from the creation of the world. That God had been planning this. Listen, Jesus wasn't plan B. He wasn't like, whoops, Adam and Eve, they messed up and we need an idea. Let's go to the whiteboard. Has anybody got any creative ideas here how we can rescue these people from sin? Listen, God had been planning our rescue from the beginning. You might be hearing my voice today thinking that it's God just kind of randomly doing this thing. He has been plotting and planning to, uh, to save you and to reach into your life and draw you out. He's been waiting for a day like today to execute this plan and to show you, reveal how much he loves you and how he gave his one and only son to take it from you. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, Abram gets up to the top of the mountain and he begins this act where he is going to execute his one and only son. And in verse 13, it says this, Abram looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. That God provided a substitute. Oh, this is huge for us. God has provided a substitute for our sin, for our lives. God has made a way to pay for the sin on our behalf. He has provided Jesus Christ as the substitute for us. We deserve death. Jesus died in our place. See, the greatest news is that God did not provide a substitute for his son, that he allowed his son to be cruelly beaten in our place. Listen, I, my wife and I, we have two children. We have a seven-year-old daughter. Her name is Makani. She's amazing, smart, beautiful, lover. Uh, uh, it's an amazing amount of love. She started soccer this year. We, we enrolled her in a little rec league. And she's been playing soccer. I don't know much about soccer. I just know you can't use your hands. you got to kick the ball. There's one guy on the team. He's in the goal. He can use his hands. He has a special jersey, the goalie guy, and he can do the hand. That's all I know. And I found myself this past Saturday a few weeks ago. Uh, my, my son, he was turning four. My wife was at home getting prepared for the party, which was going to be later that day. And so I was running solo at this game. We've been going to tandem, going to all the games together. This one, I go solo. I go, and I like to call myself the soccer dad. That's right, the soccer dad. You got the soccer moms, and then you got me. Literally, it was just all the moms, and then me. I rolled up in the soccer mom van. I had the soccer mom little bag chair. I rolled up in there. I was Snapchatting this thing. I was sitting on all the soccer moms right there. I'm Snapchatting. Look at me. I call myself soccer dad on my Snapchat story that day. I was, I was enjoying the moment until. There's this moment in the game. My daughter, there's another girl. We're, we're going after the ball together. We're kicking. The ball kind of floats up in slow motion. It just kind of pops up. And one of the girls, the other girl on the other team touched it with her hand. Ref calls handball or whatever he says right there. Gives my daughter the kick right here. And you got to understand, there's an unwritten rule that's happening. I figured it out being soccer dad that I am. One side is for one team, the other side is for the other team. That's where the parents sit and cheer and stuff. There's a guy behind me that didn't get the memo. He missed it. He's sitting over behind me and he says this. You'll never, you, believe me, okay? I mean, he, he says, no, nah, it was the other girl who touched it. I'm just like, okay, talking about my daughter, that's right. Soccer dad, okay? I'm also a pastor, so I'm trying to, okay, people are watching. People are watching. <laughs> Sitting there, gripping onto my little bag chair as tight as I can. Chill out, dude. I always heard about those parents who go psycho at Little League games and stuff. I'm like, oh, I cannot believe them. And then here I am just like. <sighs> so I'm, I'm holding it together pretty good. You know, he says that little one-liner, and then he takes it up to a whole nother level. Listen, y'all. He said, 
looked like she was playing volleyball, not soccer. Oh, man. I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, you know? And I'm like, okay, okay. Fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, self-control. I could do this, okay? I hold on to the chair right here. And I said, I thought this was pretty good, okay? I mean, this is pretty good. I got a defender. I got to come into defense. I'm the dad here, okay? She didn't hear it, by the way. She was just playing, and it was just affecting me only, so I could have... <laughs> No, it was very clearly the other girl on the other team. The ref saw, good job, ref. <laughs> that was all I had, and that was all I needed. You know, I tried to keep facing forward, not look behind me. You know, when we come to this part in the story of Abraham, and we see this picture of God giving his one and only son, you know that God at any moment in time, he could have easily stopped the whole thing. He could have went full-on soccer dad on us and said, wipe them all out. They're all gone. Listen, when they started beating his son, when they started laying this crown of thorns into his head and he began to bleed, oh, the blood didn't stop. It was covering his body. People say that he was unrecognizable as a human being. They were mocking at him. They were spitting at him. They were punching him. Oh, he could have easily stopped the whole thing. Said, we're starting over, wipe them all out. But he didn't. He didn't hold back. God gave his one and only son in your place. Oh, let that sit in on you today. God sacrificed his son's life so that I could have eternal life. Oh, by all means, I want to urge you. I want to implore you. Jump in. Have faith in Jesus today. If you feel like you're far from God, oh, let me tell you, God has been chasing you down. He wants you. Oh, he wants to save you. Your life might not get magically better all in one moment, but let me tell you, you won't be alone. God will be with you. The Bible says that he comes and lives inside of our hearts. He dwells with us. He gives us joy. I want to encourage you today. If you've never put your faith in Jesus before, today's a great day to say, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you bow your heads with me all across this room and all of our campuses? Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Just give God a moment to speak to you, maybe a moment for you to respond to what it is that God is doing in your life today. I'm going to ask you a very important question, most important question you'll, you'll ever be asked in your life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Put your faith in Him. And I'm going to ask you to respond at the count of three by just slipping up your hand all across this room. Just to put your hand up and you can put it right back down. At all of our campuses, just to put your hand up on the count of three and you can put your hand right back down. And you're signifying, I am believing in Jesus today. I'm putting my faith in Him. Would you, would you pray this right now? Would you, would you ask God to come into your life? If that's you and you need God in your life, I want you to, on the count of three, put your hand up and you can put it right back down. You're saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be saved today. And one, two, three. All across this room, all across this room. Yes, I see those hands. I see that hand. Oh, I know at our campuses right now, hands are going up all across, all across. God is doing the work through the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you into him. You're putting your faith in him. Oh, thank you for your hands. If you, if, you pr if you lifted up your hand, I want you to pray right now out of your own heart to God. And it might sound something like this. And you just tell him in your own way, in your own words, in your own heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe. Say, I believe, God. I believe that you died in my place. I believe that when you took the punishment on the cross for my sins, God, that you did it with me in mind. And I believe that you've been risen from the dead. That you didn't stay in the tomb, but after three days, you rose. Say, I believe that you are alive today. And that you have the power to save me. That you can give me a new start. You can transform my life. Oh, Father, we thank you for your power at work within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, give God praise at this campus, all of our campuses.
Give God praise right now for everything that he's done. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Do me a favor. Do this pastoral team and these leaders a favor. If you just gave your life to Christ, maybe today for the first time at any of our campuses, inside that seat pocket right there in front of you is a connect card. Would you take that out and just mark on it the decision that you made today? And would you find someone to give it to today? Maybe it's stopping by our prayer room here at this campus or or finding someone to pray with you, but don't leave today without telling somebody the decision you've made to follow Jesus. Oh, I've been blessed today. Our team has put together a special video. Uh, please take a look at the screens. Let's look at Romans 8:15. So if you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, let me pause here. What are you afraid of? Maybe you're afraid you're not pretty enough. Maybe you're afraid you're not smart enough. Maybe you're afraid that you can't overcome that particular sin habit. Maybe you're afraid of dying. Maybe you're afraid that wayward son or daughter may never come home to Christ. We don't have to be afraid. Listen to this. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba father not only does he adopt us and bring us into his family it says that's what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure if you're not yet a follower of Jesus just marinate followers of Christ I want you to engage this I think for many of you you go I know God loves me but does he like me does God really like me and one of the reasons why we think that is because we think that God loves us in the first place based on what we do or don't do so we need to stop that faulty theology because God's love for you is based on what Christ and Christ alone has done. If you can do something to make God love you or like you more than he does now, then you eclipse what Jesus has done. And don't get it twisted. No one can eclipse what beautiful Jesus has done. God's affection for you is rooted in his affection for Jesus. And when you and I get that, you know what it does? It makes us passionate worshipers. It makes us adore him it makes us lose our everlasting mind the brain circuits are blown away with the epicness of his grace that's what happens and it says he takes great pleasure in us Zephaniah 317 says that God sings and dances over you it's freaking you out right now ain't it? God sings and dances over you because he sings and dances over his son Jesus and because you are in his son Jesus he sings and dances over you and what's going to change your behavior is not looking at how jacked up you are but looking at how great he is can I preach just for a minute would you behold Jesus would you just behold him don't be a spiritual narcissist. Am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? Behold Jesus and his glorious love through the Spirit's power will take care of all that. Behold him. God is delighting and singing and dancing over you. Everything that you and I have can be taken away from us. Everything that you and I have can be taken away except for this. You are a beloved daughter of the king. You are a beloved son of the king. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast and thanks for being a part of our church family.